Well, we're taking a little bit of a break from our Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you are a guest of ours, uh, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount since October. Uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We are now in chapter 7, but we're going we're gonna to take a break from that today. Staying in Matthew, uh, but turning over toward the end of the book, over to Matthew chapter 26 is going to be our, our passage this morning. If you want to be turning over there, uh, you're certainly welcome to do that. We're going to look at verses uh, 17 through uh, verse 30 of Matthew 26. But as I've already talked about today, we're going to look at the important subject of communion. Now, in the Christian church, uh, we take communion every Sunday. We're probably one of the, the few churches that, that do this every Sunday. A lot of churches do it monthly or quarterly or just different times. We do it every week, and the reason we do it every week is because the first church, as you see recorded in Acts, it says that they met on the first day of the week, and one of the things that they did in their worship service every week was they remembered the Lord through the Lord's Supper, through communion. Thus, we do that. As we as a Christian church strive to, to follow the, the church in Acts, and, and we're, we're not completely there. I guess when we start uh, selling our possessions and, and, uh, and giving to those in need, then, then maybe we'll, we'll really be there. But, but at the same time, we, we really are striving to be like the first, the first church. This morning, uh, I, I, again, just want to share uh, from Jesus' words. A lot of times we'll go over to the passage over in 1 Corinthians and, and, and give look at Paul's recollection of the Lord's Supper and some great words there, but I'm going to one of the gospel accounts this morning where Jesus has gathered his disciples. Um, it is Passover time. Preparation has been made, and we'll, we'll see that in the text here. Uh, but I just want us this morning to, to focus on all that, that we have, on all that the Lord has given us in these incredible emblems, for lack of a better word, in the, the bread and, and the juice, the cup, we will partake of here in a little while. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer, and then I want to go right to our text, starting in verse 17 of Matthew 26, and just share with me, read with me as we look at this account and some of these words of Jesus. I'm going to break this down a little bit as time allows and, and uh, look at the importance of what we do every Sunday. And hopefully, once we leave today, this incredible service, this communion will become even more special in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. Jesus, thank you for giving us your life because you love us so much. You love us so much that you wanted us to have the freedom, the eternal freedom that you and God planned even before this world was created. All of this was already in the works. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for being that willing sacrifice and thank you for this incredible service that we can participate in each and every 
Sunday. A special time of worship where we can commune with you. Remembering the sacrifice that you made for us. So Father, I just pray that you would speak to us this morning. You would be the message and the messenger. That you would just touch my heart, touch all of our hearts. So that communion can be all that you would have to be. That the Lord's Supper can truly be something that is just so, so much a vital part of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew 26, starting verse 17, uh, down through verse 30. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city a certain man, and to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus uh, had uh, told them. Right here, I'm going to stop for a second. It's Feast of Unleavened Bread, Passover. Same thing, the Feast of Unleavened Bread takes eight days. Passover is one day out of those eight days. And so you might be confused here even as we begin. That's why I wanted to stop and wanted you to realize that there's no confusion here at all. Both, both events are covered. Both are are a part of the same feast. You have the Feast of Unleavened Day, of, of Unleavened Bread, which is over a period of eight days. And the Passover is that special day uh, in, this, in this time. So I'm going to continue on verse 19. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. And Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. And then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I uh, did a lot of research as I've been working on the sermon for, for quite a while. And uh, I actually have probably the next three or four Memorial Days already planned out. Uh, approaching this the same topic uh, from different aspects and just incredible incredible 
stuff that I found as I as I researched, especially the Passover and how this Old Testament thing, this goes all the way back to when they were in Egypt. Remember that? They were in Egypt and, and they were crying out, they were slaves to the Egyptians. They were crying out to God. These are God's people, the Israelites, the Hebrews. They were crying out to God, and God heard their cries. And, of course, he sent Moses to deliver them. And then, of course, you know about all the, the plagues that, as they were trying to, to show Pharaoh uh, how strong and how powerful God is. And Pharaoh just would not change his mind. God had hardened his heart, and he would not let those people go. And finally, the, the, the final straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, was, was this death angel that came and took the firstborn of, of everyone there in Egypt. And, and the way the, the Hebrews were protected was they were to have taken blood and put over the door frame, the, the mantle of their door. And, and the Passover, the angel, the death, the death angel would pass over. That's where that word Passover comes from. Would pass over and not take the firstborn of that house. And so this goes all the way back. And, and, and there were a lot of different uh, celebrations and feasts that God had instilled into the Hebrews. But this one was probably the most significant and, and perhaps the most uh, sacred uh, to God. And, and so uh, the preparation needed to be made. Now, my question this morning as we begin is, have you made preparation? And let's look for a minute at the Passover preparation. Um, as I've already talked about, this is the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, an eight-day feast. And in the middle of this comes Passover. It's a part of this. The preparations were being made by the disciples. Uh, the, the feast was, was uh, very simple. It wasn't elaborate at all. It was, it was a feast that they were to, to do very quickly. They were to be clothed and have their shoes on, have their, their coats on, so to speak, their cloak on. Uh, ready to go staff in hand, ready to leave. As soon as they, they were to finish the Passover meal, uh, they were they were ready to, to flee Egypt. That's how it all started. And so even, even all the way up after all these centuries, it was still being practiced. The, the lamb was roasted. The unleavened bread. Uh, unleavened bread was bread that did not have the yeast. It didn't rise. It didn't take time to rise. They didn't have time to wait for the bread to rise. So they just made this matzah-type bread, a very wafer-cracker-type bread, and it was unleavened to have any use so they could bake quickly. Again, they could be ready to, to go and, and, and leave uh, at a moment's notice. As soon as God was ready for them to go, the Hebrews were, would be ready to go. And so all of this goes way back to Egypt, but, but these things are still remembered even up in Jesus' day, and, and these things are still followed in, in Jesus' day. And so, I, again, I wish I had time to go into all of, of the details that I found out. But, uh, Lord willing, next time, uh, next year about this time, I, I want to look at uh, the four cups of the Passover. It, it's, it's amazing. I'm going to get into just a tiny bit of it today. But, but uh, boy, there's, there's so much that correlates with, with the Lord's Supper, with communion. It, it, it truly is a, a very, very close tie. Uh, and, again, only God. Could, could do something like this. But my next question is simply this. Are you prepared this morning? What do you mean? I'm here. Well, good. Um, but is your heart prepared? Is your heart prepared to partake here in a little while as we participate in this 
incredible communion of service? Uh, is your mind focused on the Lord's Supper? Is, is, your, is your heart focused on the lunch table or the table of remembrance? This do in remembrance of me as you see across the front. Are you thinking about plans this afternoon or are you thinking about, I want to worship right now. That'll, that'll happen when it happens. You see, we, we need to come to church every Sunday morning prepared. Not just get up and get dressed and jump in a vehicle and, you know, kind of get our stuff together on the way. I, I hope that, and I know Sunday morning for, for many of you is, is kind of relaxed and, and, you know, a leisure morning, which is great. But, but I hope that, that even all that, you're, you're, you're preparing your heart and your mind to worship. And thus the question, are you prepared this morning? Are you prepared to, to face the, the guilt and the, and the consequences of your sin of this past week and, and to seek forgiveness? Hopefully you already have. Hopefully you, you, know, you realize you messed up uh, and, and you blew it. We, we all do. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so hopefully you've already confessed that. But, but again, I love communion every Sunday. I'm so thankful that we have church on the first day of the week in the morning. I don't know of a better way to start the week than to be here. And then to have this as a part of the service. Now, here at Williamsburg Christian Church, we always have communion last. I've always said we save the best for last. After everything is done, after uh, the sermon's over and, and we've had the worship, we've had the offering, we, we then end on a very positive note as we commune around the Lord's table, as we gather together in his name, remembering what Jesus did for us. So I hope that you are prepared and ready to come into the presence of Christ and worship him in this way here in a little bit. Are you prepared if Jesus were to come back today? Right? We don't know. He could. Everything's been fulfilled. All prophecies have been fulfilled. For Jesus to come, all we need is the trumpet to sound. All we need is God to say to Jesus, you know what? Go get my kids. Enough's enough. I've had it. Let's get them out of there because it's going to get rough. I I've got some work to do. I'm mad. Go get them. And, and the Lord's going to come, and we're going to meet him in the air according to the scriptures. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we that remain will be caught up in the air. Oh, wow, what a, what a grand reunion that's going to be. So are you prepared? Are you ready for that? And even if that doesn't happen, we don't know about our own lives. We don't know if we're going to live through this day. And I'm not trying to be morbid or scare anybody or have you scared to drive home or anything. But, but we don't know. We don't know. So are you prepared? You know, we, need to, we need to get up every morning. And you've heard me share this many times that my dad had that, had that little trumpet that he kept on the lapel of, 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 of his sport coat and his suit coats. And every, every week, he would, whatever coat he was wearing, he had that on there. And I, I actually have it now. I don't, I don't wear it very often. It's, it's something that I treasure. But it just says perhaps today. And even if Christ doesn't come today, perhaps today, this will be our last breath on this earth. You see, church, we don't know. And so I hope that every morning we, we get up and we prepare ourselves to live for the Lord that day. 
Well, let's move on and look at the bread. We, 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 the preparation is, has been done. The disciples did what Jesus told them to do. But let's get right to the actual parts of the communion service. And, of course, it starts with the unleavened bread. We, we see it there in verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Now, again, this unleavened bread would, would bake quickly. Didn't have to wait for it to rise because it had no yeast in it. Again, with Passover, they had to be ready to, to go. And so this is just uh, something that is carried on. God had commanded them to do this this way throughout the ages. And he had not changed, even up in Jesus. This is centuries after they had been delivered from Egypt when Jesus is here. Uh, a couple thousand years probably later, uh, but, but nothing had changed. That was still uh, customary. It was also customary at Passover for the head of the family to take bread. He would stand at the head of the table, and he would break this, this matzo bread, this flat bread, and, and he would give a Hebrew blessing. I, I didn't have Hebrew in Bible college. I had Greek. Uh, I can't even begin to speak Hebrew. I found the actual Hebrew language uh, in which they gave this blessing, and I worked on it. I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to impress them. I'm going to do this in Hebrew. I'm not even going to try. So I'm going to translate it, though. I do want to translate what they would have said at that Passover meal. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Now at the Last Supper, Jesus stood probably. They, they reclined at the table. They, they didn't eat like we do many times. Uh, they ate on, on pillows. They would actually be kind of laying down. I mean, I guess we do that when we watch TV. Sometimes we get, you know, kind of slouched over and we eat. But that's how they, they ate many of their meals, uh, especially this, this Passover meal uh, would, would have been like that. Uh, and at the Last Supper here, at this time when Jesus, uh, he stands probably uh, showing that he is the head of his family. And, of course, all of those disciples would have recognized him as the head. And he gave that blessing, but he added something. He said, take and eat. This is my body. This is my body. Now, several times in the gospel, Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. In fact, in John, we, we see that, that a lot. John equating Jesus and Jesus himself saying, I am the bread of life. Here, Jesus breaks the bread and he says, eat, this is my body. You know, it wasn't actually his body, but it was symbolic. Jesus is that bread of life. His, his death, his death as that bread was broken, as his body was broken, and no bones were broken, but oh my goodness, his flesh was torn and beaten. Isaiah says that he was barely recognizable as a man. My small group is going to, uh, this evening, my, my Monday night small group is going to watch the passion of the Christ this evening. We're going to have a, a little get together and watch that. And, and as we watch that, we will see the suffering that Jesus went through 
as Mel Gibson very epically, uh, boy, very descriptive. But, but Jesus is, is saying, my death is your life. His death is our life. And, and as the bread of life sustains us, as the bread, as our food that we eat every day, and I know it doesn't show, but I enjoy food, um, as, as, as the, the, the food sustains us, Jesus is saying, as the bread of life, I will sustain you spiritually. Everything you need, you already have. I'm going to tell you something, church. If you have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in your heart, everything you need, you already have. You already have. So we are, we are so, so blessed. Now the significance for us, well, in a minute, we're going to, in a few minutes, we're going to partake of this little, little piece of bread. It's just a, a little flat wafer, a uh, little square. And we, why would we partake of this little tasteless piece of, of unleavened bread? Well, because Jesus wants us to remember his sacrifice. But I think there's something else. He also wants us to remember that he remains the bread of life. That was current. That was present tense. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he didn't say I was. He didn't say I will be. He says, I am. Let me tell you something. Nothing's changed. You go to John and you read these passages and it's still in the present tense. It always will be in the present tense because Jesus is in the present tense. He is our sustenance. He is everything that we need. He is all that we need, ultimately. He is the bread of life. And so, as we partake here in a little while, we need to remember his body sacrificed on the cross, how he gave of himself <coughs> and completely. But we also need to remember, he came off that cross. Yeah, he was dead for three days. But he came back to life. And he is alive now. And he is alive forever. And I'm going to tell you something. You can count on it. You can count on one thing. Jesus still is your sustenance. He is all you need. He is the bread of life. He is everything you need. And so depend upon him. Lean on him. Allow this communion time to be a time when you dwell on him. Think about him. Not only today, but I hope what we're going to do here in a little while will last. It will have an impressive, an impression that will stay with you tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and throughout the entire week until we come back and do it again next Sunday. And that it would never become just, oh, well, that's just what we do. It's just part of our routine. Oh, my goodness, no way. It's never routine. And every day you thank God that he gave his one and only son to die on the cross. But not only that, you thank Jesus that he remains that bread of life. That he remains that sustenance. That he remains all that you need. And then we look at the cup. We see the descriptions here in verses 27 through 29 about the cup. And I want to talk about the cup and the, and the covenant 
for, for a moment. Let me look at verse 27. Look at, me, look at it with me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Forgiveness of sins, our sins, as well as their sins, all sins. So Jesus then took the cup, he would have raised it up in Passover tradition, and he, at this point, would have, this would have been the third cup, and again, we'll, we'll get into that next year, but this would have been the third cup in the Passover meal. This is called the cup of redemption. This would have been the cup of redemption. Now, this is a very special cup because the cup of redemption signifies the Redeemer. And if you don't know what a Redeemer is or who a Redeemer is, a Redeemer is one who pays a ransom for the life of another. If a slave was held in bondage and someone bought their freedom. He redeemed that person. Now let's look what Jesus did for us. Jesus on the cross, oh, this just sends chills down my spine. Jesus on the cross, being that sacrificial lamb, and that was very important in Passover as well. He was the final sacrifice. And here he is, holding the cup, the cup of redemption, and he's basically saying, I am your redeemer. I am going to go to the cross, and I am going to sacrifice my life, my life's blood, so that you can live, so that you can be set free, so that you can go to heaven, so that you can have the eternity that the Father and I desire for you to have. I am the Redeemer. That's what Jesus was saying to the disciples, and they understood the whole history of the Passover. They understood all of this, being Hebrews themselves, being Israelites, being Jews. They understood all of this, and I just can only imagine their mouths dropped open as they realized what Jesus was saying right here as he holds this cup, and he says, this is the blood of mine. This is my blood. This is my blood of the covenant. This is my blood of the agreement because a covenant is an agreement. God had made covenants with Noah, with Abraham, with Moses, with on and on and on. I was, I was reading this morning in, in some devotion time that the covenant that Jonathan and David made together, best of friends, I mean soul mates, best of best of best of friends, the covenant the agreement that they made together. A lot of covenants have been made throughout this. We still make covenants. We don't call them that today. We make covenants probably every day or, or certainly often. 
God made many covenants with, with these, especially the, the, the early days and, and these as the Jews were just getting going and as, a, as his people. He made agreements with them. And this blood sacrifice. Every covenant with Moses, Abraham, with Noah, all of these had blood sacrifice. Every one. You know what's interesting? <coughs> Jesus not only says that, you know, I am the Redeemer, but he also says this blood, this cup, means I am making a blood agreement. It's going to be my blood that is going to be shed, going to be poured out so that you can have life. I am the Redeemer. Now, what's the significance for us? Well, I want to read something from Dr. Ray Vandalon. Ray Vandalon is a, a biblical scholar. Ushers, I'm going to go ahead and have you guys just be making your way to the, to the front. Be seated. But go ahead and be coming up at this point as I read this. Ray Vandalon is a, a biblical scholar. And um, he has gone all over Israel giving tours, and, and I have several of these on video that I just, just thoroughly enjoy. And in his, some of his teaching, this particular teaching is entitled From His Body, His Blood. He shares what happened in the first century. In the first century, when a young Jewish man reached Marian age and his family selected an appropriate wife for him. The young man, now, now listen very carefully to this, the young man and his father would meet the young woman and her father to negotiate <coughs> the bride's price and the figurative cost of replacing a daughter, a daughter. And usually this price was very high. And for those of you that, that, that have daughters, you'd understand. You're not going to get my daughter cheap. I love her dearly. This is a very serious ceremony that would take place. With negotiations complete, the custom was for the young man's father to pour a cup of wine and hand it to his son. His son would turn to the young woman, lift the cup up, just like at Passover, and hold it out to her, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which I offer to you. In other words, I love you so much that I'm willing to give my life blood to you. Will you marry me? You talk about a proposal. Wow. The young woman had a choice. She could take the cup and return it and say, no. Or she could answer without saying a word. By drinking the cup.
was her way of saying, I accept your offer. I love you in return. And I want to serve you. And I want you to be my master. And in our case, Savior, Lord, Redeemer, We're going to offer two invitations this morning. The first invitation is being offered right now, and it's for those of you who are immersed believers in Jesus Christ. Even if you're a guest of ours, we don't close communion. If you have been baptized into Christ, if you have been immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then everyone is invited to participate in this first invitation. And it is an invitation an invitation to take the bread and the cup. And I know that these are plastic cups and it's just grape juice. And this is just manufactured leavened bread that we order on a regular basis. But let's make it what Jesus. So if you are a, an immersed believer in Christ, this invitation is for you. As we partake, I'm going to ask that you bow with me in prayer, and then I'm going to have the usher serve you. And normally, a lot of times, I realize we just kind of take it and and, and just uh, you know go ahead and and chew it up and take the cup real quick and put it right back in the tray. You can do that if you choose, but if you would like this morning, just take the the bread out, the cup out, and just. Spend some time in prayer and meditation. You know what you want to say to the Lord. Say it. <coughs> Make this as special as Jesus wants it to be. And I know we do this every Sunday. And I pray to God that it never becomes routine. Because it was not just a routine. When Jesus gave his body. Father in heaven, thank you so much. You loved us so much that you gave your one and only son. That whosoever, I love that word because that's us. We believe in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. Holy God, thank you so much for this communion, the Lord's Supper, the bread that represents the body of Christ that was beaten so bad that we can't even imagine. All we have is scripture's description that he was barely recognizable as a man. 
the cup, the juice representing his blood, which poured literally from his head all the way to his feet. And almost every point in between, because he had been beaten and lacerated and cut and bruised and blood was flowing all throughout his body. Flowing down his body onto the cross and down the cross onto the ground. The very ground that Jesus helped create. The, the very tree that he had helped create that he was hung on. Thank you God for loving us that much. Lord, I just pray that every week this will be what you would have it to be. That this could be special. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for giving us, Jesus, for buying us back from Satan's grasp that we might share forever with you. In Jesus' name, amen. In a few moments, the, the men will come and serve you. After a little while, we're going to go to the second invitation after time has been given for you to meditate and pray. That's a little bit different invitation, and we'll go to that here in a few moments.
This next invitation is for those of you that did not take communion because you're not a Christian and you've not given your life to Christ. It is an invitation offered by the same Savior. It is not me who's going to rise at all. It's, it's, it's Jesus. He died for you. And, and, and he wants you so much. You do not have any idea how much Christ wants you if you have not given your life to him. He died. We're going to sing a, a, a song that we've learned a while back. And we've been using it as our closing quite a bit. And I was talking to John this week as we were working on the service. I said, man, we need to use this as our invitation. And it's, it's, are you hungry? Or we are hungry. And, and are you hungry? Are you really as hungry for Christ as he is for you? Because if you are, then you're going to come at this invitation. You're going to respond to our Savior. And you're going to say, I want to, I want to make this complete. I want to make sure that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. You're going, to, you're going to have your sins washed away. And even if you need to talk to me later, that's fine. We can do that. Or if you want to talk to, to Dave, our associate, or Garrett, our youth minister, or one of the elders, that's fine. But I, I want you to truly realize that Christ right now is offering an invitation. He wants you to be with him in heaven. How much? So much he died for you. If you're the only person, now think about this. If you're the only person that ever, ever sinned, everybody else somehow managed to live a perfect life and you blew it. Jesus would have died the very same death. I am convinced. That's how much he loves each and every one of us individually. So, are you hungry? Now, I'm not talking about McDonald's. I'm talking about real hunger. Are you hungry? Do you really <coughs> desire Christ? Well, now's your chance to say, can I, can I partake? Can I 